Opinions expressed on the show do not necessarily reflect those of the WXTU and Duke community. It's unapologetic. Black Radio, Black Radio. Unapologetic Black Radio is brought to you by Naomi Lilly. I'm a sophomore at Duke, major is African American Studies, minor is Gender Studies, and Certificate in Documentary Studies. My name is Shania Anderson. I am a sophomore. My major is Cultural Anthropology with a minor in Global Health. My name is Anna Henderson. I'm a sophomore. My major is History, and my minor is African and African American Studies. Opinions expressed on the show do Hello, hello, everyone. This is Naomi Lilly speaking. And before we get started, I would like to introduce our special guest. Hello, I'm Melody Ward. I'm a freshman at Duke, and I'm from Brooklyn, New York. What's up, what's up? My name is Samantha Messi. I am a first year here at Duke. I'm originally Togolese, but I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay, so we're going to start the show like we normally do with the following advice from Six Brown Chicks on Twitter, um, which is a group of women um, who are lifestyle bloggers that were recently featured on, a, on Ayana Fix My Life. So the advice that we're going to, you know, give is, I used to think, I used his finger <laughs> to unlock his phone. We already phone. Good start. You thought we were done with the sex stuff, but we back with it, you know. My Go fault. Ahead. I used his finger to unlock his phone when he was asleep. I knew he was cheating, but I had no idea it was with this dude he was locked up with for two years. <laughs> I read the text about me. They called me stupid. Saw pics of them. I am, she's mad. Um... So I've gotten revenge in small ways. Fire ants in his underwears, laxatives in his food, cut off his dress in the center of his head while he was asleep. So he thinks he's going bald, but I'm not satisfied. <laughs> Advice. <laughs> uh, so leave him. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. At this point, you're wasting your time. Right. Um, not only is he cheating on you, you're in a relationship where you're not happy doing dumb stuff. So just get out of it like, yeah i'm wondering why leaving him wasn't her first no she's definitely <laughs> mad baby. she's like i'm gonna stick around i'm gonna marry saying. him i'm gonna cut all his hair off that's like, what i'm saying jasmine solomon bust the windows like i just I don't see. understand like why you would go through so much and talking about i'm still not satisfied obviously you just need to leave the relationship like what you want to say you need to kill him like what you want like, <laughs> okay, be enough for hey, you you never know she might if she want to go to jail for that i mean by all means maybe what? she'll find her little boot <laughs> Man, we're both up in here now. Oh. Well, um, there's nothing we can do for you. Yeah. Like, no, but leave him, sis. You know, uh, it ain't worth it. And, you know, find you a new boot thing. Hopefully. Simple as that. Hopefully. Okay, so today's topic is colorism and how it manifests at Duke. So before we get into questions and topics, ideas, etc., um, we just want to ask our guests what they think colorism is. So, um, I don't know, in my personal experience as a darker-skinned woman here on campus, um, it's not necessarily that... It's not necessarily that colorism is blatant or completely in your face. It's just more for me. It manifests as like smaller things. Like I'll be with a group of my friends and like the majority of them are dark skinned, but there'll be like two people who are lighter skinned and someone will come up to our group and like only greet um, the people who are like lighter skinned um, in our group. Right. So for me, it's not necessarily like a, um, an everyday like, oh, light-skinned women get have like this immediate status or just like automatically placed on like this like crazy insane pedestal like it's just more like the little things that people 
don't see mm-hmm. that they're doing that get to me the most, like the subconscious things, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, got you. Yeah. yeah, and speaking off of what Sam was saying, it's not exactly that colorism isn't just like oh black guys don't want to date dark-skinned girls Mm -hmm. like that's really not what it is and if you think that's what it is that's just very sad because it's a lot more than that it's being like ignored and not seen because you have a darker skin which is not really you know okay 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 so I guess before we get into some quotes that we have that people have said about colorism, we can just talk more about colorism at Duke. So just talking a little bit more about how you all feel that it manifests at Duke. I would definitely say um, it's kind of like what you were saying. It's not really like explicit, uh, but you can tell based off the friend groups that people are, you know, grouped. I mean, you can't really say they're grouped by their skin color. However, you can you can still see it, you know. And I think as far as colorism, you have some girls who are like fairly skinned, um, curly hair, um, very skinny, and they stay with like the people that actually look like them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have girls that may not fit that standard or fit that specific uh, skin type and you know, it's not like they are left out. It's more like, okay, well, I know that I don't really bang with them. So I'm a, you know, form my friend group based off of, you know, who I trust or who, you know, I am Mm -hmm. very close with, but you can somewhat see that the, there's differences in the friend groups based off of like your skin color a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think going back to it, it wouldn't necessarily be such a problem for me if, okay, well girls that happen to look like just, you know, you just ended up together. Just that was, they were, their personalities happened around. But I think the issue comes when it's like, okay, well, I'm going to associate with people who fit a certain mold or a certain standard mm-hmm. that I myself, you know, fall into. And that's going to de- determine or everything else comes second to that. And so it's, you know, I wouldn't, I don't wouldn't, oh, well, there's a group of light-skinned people. They often must be colorists. I don't think that's the case. But I think it is, if, you, if you're going into social situations with that as the prerequisite, as thinking, well, you know, I look a certain way. I should, you know, be with people who look a certain way. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit problematic in that mm-hmm. sense. And that doesn't mean you don't form authentic friendships. But I think, honestly, you're missing out on a lot of other people who are maybe darker skin than you, but are, have so much contribute to your life and your personality and your friendships. So, like, I think, you know, on, you limit yourself in that sense as well as exclude other people. Right. Yeah. And I feel like I never really thought about, like, how colorism manifested at Duke until Melody actually did, like, a colorism event. And it was a type of event where wow. she asked Shout questions. Shout out to Melody. Okay. <laughs> um, Thank you. Where she asked questions that made you think about the color of your skin and made you think about whether you've ever faced prejudice as a result of, like, what spectrum you are between... Um, like being darker skinned or being fair skinned, etc. Mm-hmm. And like when I saw like people who were on the wall and people who walked up and stuff, that was the first time I realized like, oh yeah, like there is this clear difference and it's like something that we're not talking about. Right. And like it took someone else to have this event for someone to start saying things. And granted, like yes, people probably were talking about it, but I don't think it was like a large scale conversation that it needed to be. Mm-hmm. What really like threw me off was in high school, like there wasn't such a strong divide um like within the black community like everyone was just kind of chill with everyone and i am a first year so like coming into college was a whole different experience like i knew going to pwi that i'd have some type of racism or i'd have some type of i'd be uncomfortable or it would be sexist in certain like in certain regards and i was ready for that but i wasn't really prepared for having to defend like my skin color as much Mm. um And that's coming off of, like, I spent the last month of my summer back in Togo with my family and stuff. And, like, there, 
being darker skinned is also not like the best thing all the time. Like you'll see ads for um, bleaching creams that on the highway, like instead yeah. of like, oh, get a Pepsi, get a Coke. It's like, get this get bleaching bleach cream. Because right, you know? <laughs> lighter is prettier. They yeah. have like that association. It's like RC Cola bleaching, bleaching cream. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's rough. basically. Mm-hmm. So like coming here, it was just a shock because like, dang, I'm already going through all these things where I have to make sure that I'm clocking this guy in class for trying to say some off the wall, slick racist like comment. And then I'm also clocking this guy over here because, you know, you can't can't do this because you're a woman or you're trying to like tell me what I can and can't do based on like my genitalia and then on top of that I'm clocking all these people in the black community mm-hmm. for being dumb, dumb. <laughs> it's not hard yeah. like mm-hmm. so my question to y'all is for anybody like how do you feel when guys say oh I'm not like I don't just when they say I just have a preference for lighter skinned women right. like do you think that's like I always ask them why do you have that preference because I think Alice Walker put it so beautifully like colorism is internalized like oppression imperialism that's like mm-hmm. you're thinking that like Eurocentric beauty is the best beauty so if you have a preference for light skinned girls if you know where that comes from if it's not from a colorist place like I doubt that, but if if that's what it is, then like okay, fine. But like you need to really understand. And then there are there are people that have that preference and will be like, dark skinned girls are just not pretty. That's just mm-hmm. not a fact. Right. Be right. It's just not true right. at all. Mm-hmm. And then there are also girls that like will be like, oh, dark skinned girls aren't pretty. So then they'll try and like send them like, oh, this this is a pretty dark skinned girl. This is a pretty dark skinned girl. This is a pretty dark skinned right. girl. You shouldn't have to do that. All dark skinned girls are pretty. Just because your skin is darker doesn't mean you're not pretty. Like. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I think... Oh, go no, go ahead. And I feel like you can't preach, like, black is beautiful and say, like, you support black women, mm-hmm. but it's like you support a separate group of black women, right? Like, you don't support everyone along that spectrum mm-hmm. that, like, has been created as a result of colorism. Right. I feel like there's, there's sort of two levels to this, because on the one hand, it's like, okay, well, you have a preference, and then so why do you have the preference? Okay, so as far as, like, why do you have the preference, you can get into the, the, the internalized racism, the imperialism there, with regards to how we see beauty in a society, specifically, like, an American society, which is usually mm-hmm. paler, you know, imperialism and fruit forth. And so you have to break that down in, in stone. But even like removing that, so say like, okay, like we understand that that's a deal, but I just maybe I feel like um, I like light skinned women more. Okay, you going out and telling people that and like telling dark skinned women that you like, how is that helpful to anybody? That's just mm-hmm. right. disrespecting mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything, don't say anything at all. And even in the sense that if you have those preferences, you know, you're not degrading anyone necessarily by holding them yourself. And when you go out and start to sort of like profiligate on that sense that, oh, you know, dark skinned women aren't as pretty and I feel this way. And so I should tell other people that that's just you being hurtful to other people. And Mm -hmm. it really doesn't help anybody. So I don't understand, especially why black men feel the need to do that in Mm -hmm. any sense, because I'm also like also just like be personally like. My mother's black, sister, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like, look at your family, your community, mm-hmm. your grandparents. Like, the, these are the people that made, made it so that you could be here. And mm-hmm. so I, I think you should sort of refer back to them when you think that you feel the need to say, open mm-hmm. your mouth and say something stupid like that. Honestly, mm-hmm. and the biggest colorists have dark skinned mothers. What are you doing? And they definitely be the ones, like, I felt, I think from last year. Well, I'll say like from 2015 to like now, it was like this movement on Twitter where people started to like romanticize dark skinned women, especially mm-hmm. the ones that were like oiled down and yeah. like in the model photo. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. and I was like, I enjoyed, you know, the, the trendiness of it. Like that's like, I'm here for it. Right. Mm-hmm. But then it's just, it's I just, awesome. I don't like this idea of like romanticism, where it's like, are you truly... Mm-hmm. 
like are you indulging in this just because you want to be like be a part of this movement and then or you know seem woke. Mm-hmm. or seem woke yeah. or 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 are you truly someone who you know sees the beauty in different shades mm-hmm. and if you're just a romanticist just to indulge and in, it's just like you're like no, no I don't that's the number one thing on this campus because like people love to like yo I'm with it or like in the sense like what I post on Facebook and social media what I say in class like I'm with it mm-hmm. but like then I see you in real life and I see what you do and like mm-hmm. who you hang out with mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like okay yeah, you offer diverse inclusion but every every Friday night you with that same story <laughs> <laughs> everybody white like, you know, what, what happened I thought you said last week you love Martin Luther King like why why is it if I see if I go out into the real world where you're just trying to enjoy yourself in the way that you feel like makes you feel good it's different from what you said in the classroom or what you put on social media mm-hmm. so I, I think the same thing happens with colors in the sense that people, you know, black is beautiful, I'm with it, I'm with it. But then we got in the real world, it's like, oh, well, beige is beautiful, you know. It's like, <laughs> like, where did that go? I don't know. Right. So it's just rough. Yeah. And what about colorism in men? Like, yeah, that's what ooh. I was going to say. A good point that was brought up at Mel's um, event um, a couple weeks ago was that it's kind of the opposite with men, where light-skinned mm-hmm. men are kind of like the ideal standard. And wow, like if you have a light-skinned boy, he's a pretty boy. And he's mm-hmm. all these things. He's and emotional He's and emotional and soft <laughs> and darker-skinned men are supposed to be like more violent or more uh, dominant or right. just like about their game and stuff and I feel like the uh, colorism within like like uh, among men and among women kind of plays off of each other because if you have these dark skinned men who are supposed to be dominant who are supposed to come in the room and like own the space and like be loud and assert themselves then they kind of assimilate to that stereotype and mm-hmm. start asserting themselves in ways that um, it's either hyper masculine or it's just like detrimental to the people around them and they don't see it because in their minds this is what I'm supposed to do this is the story that's been written for me so I'm gonna follow it and that doesn't make sense yeah Mm. you wanna get some of those quotes yeah so we have some quotes from different celebrities and we can just talk about what we think about what they had to say about colorism so this is from Tatiana Ali she says there's a separation that's made among sisters and we end up looking at each other funny not realizing thinking she has it so good and the other one thinks I feel like an outcast she has it so good and not realizing that we're both missing out on each other Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another one from India Irene. It's all based on Eurocentric beauty ideals. For example, straight blonde hair, blue eyes, aquiline nose, the limbs, lighter skin. For many, this is just considered beauty. Why? Because Eurocentric aesthetics are seen as a standard and therefore are more palatable and desirable by the world as a whole. Mm-hmm. So I guess we can talk a little about about this like Eurocentric view of beauty and how that has influenced colorism within the black community mm-hmm. itself. Before we do that, I just wanted to go back to the first quote, mm-hmm. the Tatiana Ali quote, and I really like like this quote because it highlights so much of how like divisive colorism is, and it's sad because like with like I'll talk about colorism as like a darker skinned woman and I'll talk about how I feel like oppressed and ignored and stuff but then light skinned women will talk about how they feel that they they can't be a part of the black community because they're looked at as like too light to be black mm-hmm. and it's just like we're both on the we're both dealing with the same thing but it's just it just manifests in different ways and we both have like some sort of privilege so it really hurts me because it really like divides like black women when it shouldn't be that way mm-hmm. it's sad yeah that's a really interesting quote yeah because i feel like that's that's the thing too people say 
There's just always this ongoing debate with light-skinned people. It's like, okay, well, where do you really fit in? If you're light-skinned, especially if you're biracial, mm-hmm. like, what, is the, what is it that you belong? And I think that that comes from the sort of, you know, the whole ownership, like the one-drop rule, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. we make these boxes, you try to put people in. Mm-hmm. He's definitely black, he's definitely white. And then we sort of try to adjust ourselves to, to perceptions that we see in the media and in and, and sort of Eurocentric ideals. And it doesn't really fit right in the way that we interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it puts us, and we miss out on each other, I think is the key point. Yeah. Uh, by by trying, to, trying to, like, adapt ourselves to those things. Yeah. Definitely, and like, also shout out to my teacher because mm-hmm. this is race, genomics, and society. Okay, so we got it. into it, <laughs> but like, it's um, we were just talking about how um, how this idea of like Eurocentric beauty, one, it comes from white patriarchy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and James Blumenbach, Blumenbach, he was like one of the people who kind of gave this list of the way like race manifested so one it was to divide different races based off of skin color so you have the white people at the top who is from like the Caucasus mountains or whatever um and then down and then as you come down the list you have like uh, mongolians um and then you you branch off of that and then you have you know like african-american people who were like at the bottom because of like their black skin and that's like the start of Eurocentric beauty standards, meaning like white people will come first. And then after that, then, you know, you know, black people come because we don't match much of the Eurocentric beauty standards anyway. So like all that, it started with um, just trying to divide the different races and everything like that. Um, A little history lesson for y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I keep y'all, keep y'all prepared for classes, you know. Uh-huh. And I feel like also, like, even in, like, media and things like that, like, it's really easy also to see, like, what is considered beauty mm-hmm. based on Eurocentric perspective. So, like, I remember growing up and there were very few black women in media who mm-hmm. I saw being portrayed in a positive light. <laughs> and it definitely wasn't for their beauty or for the yeah. way they looked mm-hmm. and things like that. Like, for me, what I saw was beautiful was, like, oh, this white woman on the cover of a magazine that has blonde hair, blue eyes, mm-hmm. you know, is, like, really tall really skinny and like that doesn't look like me so it's like as a result like you internalize that and think okay well like I'm the complete opposite of that right so, like yeah. how does mm-hmm. like how do I see myself as a result yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and like on top of that not only just like physical appearance but the way that black characters act in movies mm-hmm. and one of the examples that I always give is um Tyler Perry's Medea's uh, family reunion is that what it is? Oh, yeah. Classic. yeah, classic right there. Classic, right? So like you have a um, antagonist who's darker skinned and is like an abuser and all these things. Oh yeah, and then you have right. the um, protagonist Orlando Bloom, I think it is. Mm-hmm. If I'm getting the title correct, who's like the savior and he's coming to like rescue the woman and you oh know, yeah, he was a bus driver, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. But the crazy thing is they tried to be smart and like make you know. Orlando Bloom, he the bus driver, so he real <laughs> humble. And then you got the rich, dark skinned dude, but he violent. Like, yeah. Ooh, I hated him the whole movie. I was like, oh, y'all bring the culture yeah, down. She threw yeah. him in that tub, and I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Yo, I'd crack up at that okay. part. Cause mm-hmm. <laughs> facts, facts, facts. <laughs> he big as ever. He was drowning in that right. little tub. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. But yeah, so just like personality-wise to painting darker skin as bad and lighter skin as good. And not only in the black community, like in the Latinx community, you'll have like a lot of um, the the representations that we see from them are lighter skin, like J-Lo and um, Adriana, mm. the one that dated Rob Kardashian. What's her name? Bylon? Yeah. Mm. Her. Cheetah Girls? Yeah. Cheetah Girls. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 She's on the real. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody watched. Who watched the real? <laughs> I don't really watch it like that. And I don't know anyone that does. And People tell people tell oh. me it's popular. 
But I, I don't know anyone that watches the real. I mean, I feel like that's a stay-at-home mom type mm, of, you know, right, you pour right. a glass of wine in the afternoon and watch the real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we had one more quote that was like, if you look at our culture, our women don't feel protected. They don't feel wanted. You look at most of us who so-called people of success catered to nine times out of ten, it may not be a black woman at all. And if it is, it's definitely not ones that look like our cousins or our great-grandmothers. And I said, man, if nobody in the world says that they love them and that they respect them and that they want them, it'll be me. And that's from David Banner. David Banner. That, so <laughs> that reminds me, uh, when I was younger, my dad had me read this book called Archive of People about like the legacy of MPHC in this country mm-hmm. and how it started out earlier. There was a lot of like these social clubs with these at these elite institutions where they had these tests with the get into the parties. It was called the um, the skin lighter than a brown paper bag and the hair straight as a ruler test. And they would, they would oh, like, yeah. have a bag at the door and say, all right, are you this light? Can you come mm-hmm. in? And that was sort of where it started. And with a lot of the organizations such as like AKA and Alpha Alpha, not to like associate them now, but like in, in Origins, that was a big part of it. Because at those institutions, mm-hmm. the elite African Americans at the time were fairer skinned, mm-hmm. and so I, I remember thinking, "Oh, how does that legacy play out today?" And it's rough to think about that. And I remember I had a professor here um, who is affiliated with an MPHC organization, and she told me when she crossed her line at her college, she was told specifically that they wanted to get lighter skinned girls because they wanted to stick with the legacy of the organization, mm-hmm. and that was that was very recent. And she yeah. told me that she so she did cross, and she she is affiliated, but she says that that always is something that that showed her that it's something that remains, and even sometimes we don't talk about it. It, it does occur, and it's something that I had to check myself because I was like, I, you know, I thought MPHC is great. Like, what's the, what's the problem? But when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, that's awful. You know, yeah. These women are very talented regardless of the colors. I don't understand why that's even a factor. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, some, it's one of those things that is sort of pervasive in that sense. Yeah. Do y'all think even with like colorism that it, that it exists in education as well? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's a food for thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason why I said that was mainly because of like, so my high school, we did cohorts and they divided you based off of like your standardized tests and everything like that, um, which then put, you know, a lot of African-American in like the lower cohorts mm-hmm. and whites and agents in the upper ones. But then on top of that, how the teachers perceived certain people within those cohorts mm-hmm. was a bit like mm-hmm. it was it was col- it was colorism. So, you know, we had like. There were some dark-skinned people uh, in our cohorts, and I could tell, like, explicitly, like, the teacher would assume that they were stupid based off the fact that they were darker-skinned. So if someone was to come up to them and be like, oh, I need help with this question, they'll be like, "He, he my teacher... My old teacher, he wouldn't say, oh, I will help you. He would be like, oh, go to this person mm-hmm. to do it right. And, of course, it would be like a, a fair-skinned person. Or even if someone who was dark-skinned and was smart enough to, like, you know, answer the question, he he wouldn't even think to be like, oh, go to this person, but go to this fair-skinned person. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's, it's one thing, like, I haven't really thought about, but then again, at the same time, I think it, it, it exists in education um, because it's like the closer you are to the standard, um, then you are close enough to being that smart as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could also link to sort of like this paternalism, right? Because you think, all right, well, you know, I'm trying to help these kids. But this one, he, he's just not going to get it. You know, he's just not. Mm-hmm. Well, why do you think he's not going to get it? Oh, well, you know, he's just done what he's really not about. You have to help go in there. Whereas the kid might be fair skinned or maybe mm-hmm. even a white or Asian. You think, oh, we'll figure it out and I, and I can guide him a different way. Mm-hmm. And, and there's 
that's where good intentions kind of come up against um, societal sort of ingrained mm-hmm. racism and ingrained perceptions of other people. And, right. those, and that can be one of the most detrimental things because you're trying to help, but you're doing more damage than good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that frustrates me the most is, is that people don't see that like racism has been ingrained in this country for so long and black people have had so little time to to fight against the system that there are just certain things that the black population will need like extra help with or that will need extra extra support in and that comes down to things like education where like you have systems where um for example when um in the 1940s when there was like a lot of uh like black people like flooding up into the north and stuff and you had things like mm-hmm. white flight and redlining happening you had these like populations of white people living leaving like cities like detroit and chicago and essentially making it like black dominated cities those cities would then get less funding they're getting less funding and they have worse education mm-hmm. and like the people that can get out do get out but then you have a system of black kids that are stuck like stuck in places where they just don't have the resources to be completely successful mm-hmm. in the classroom yet they're expected to be completely successful in the in classroom class, right it's like mm-hmm. how do you fight the system when the cards are already stacked against you mm-hmm. and right. no one's willing to put in any work and then if you break that down further and you have like this divide between lighter skin and darker skin well of course if the people in power or the people that are like running the school um are white or do have more eurocentric features just naturally they're going to want to help people who are like them and and it's mm-hmm. been like proven psychologically that prettier people succeed. And if your idea of pretty is this Eurocentric thing, um, curly hair, lighter skin, then you're likely going to help people you perceive to be pretty. So like yeah. it's like a cycle. It's like where do you cut it? Where do you break mm-hmm. it? You know. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just, I would I would ask to our guests what steps and this is maybe I don't think I'm being pronounced, but what steps can black men take in that sense to sort of put down the notion of colorism in the sense in their interactions, their daily lives? Mm-hmm. I think, first of all, stop telling me that you only like light-skinned girls. Like, okay. please, mm-hmm. just right. don't say it. Like, if that's really how you feel, keep mm-hmm. it to yourself because I don't want to hear it because I'm not checking for you. I just really feel like... I wasn't looking at you anyway. I was just looking at you. Gosh. And then also, like, maybe... Think about yourself and think about your friends and maybe you start calling people in instead of out and just really like do some research, learn something and understand where these things are coming from. Because at the end of the day, if you're a colorist, that honestly means you have a colonized mind Ooh. and you need to yeah, decolonize it. So, get it out of there. <laughs> decolonize your mind. That's pretty solid. That's pretty good. And then finally, do you all have any closing words before they kick us out of the studio? Mm. <laughs> um, I think that it's not only about sitting down and having conversations but like I'm a really big believer in self-reflection mm-hmm. so like sit down and call yourself out before I have to because I probably won't be nice about it like mm-hmm. just You're trying to save y'all yeah right I'm trying to help y'all. Like, don't come at me with the disrespect like having a preference is one thing we just as humans it's gonna happen but check yourself like remember your black mamas remember your black sisters remember mm-hmm. like all of you came from someone black like mm-hmm. Right. recognize that respect that and don't come at me crazy because I'm like it's really tiring it's exhausting to have to say the same things over and over again when we all have brains and should be able to process this information without that much help it's mm-hmm. common sense just yeah. be respectful because like you low-key like a nucleotide away from being 
from being dark skinned. Right. Like, 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 come on, man. Like, come on, man. I don't even see you walking away from the sunlight. I know what you're doing. Right. Come on. Uh, and then also, I would say if you're a light skinned woman and you don't know what to do about colorism, just try and listen to your friends who are darker skinned. And like, one thing that really goes a long way is if you're walking with someone who's dark skinned and somebody comes up to you and they only address you as a light skinned person, you need to have them introduce them to your dark skinned friend because these people just really be ignoring dark skinned people out here. It's actually kind of not. It is really sick. So if you're in a group of people and you see people ignoring your dark skin friends, say something. If you see your friends saying some problematic things, like call say something. Call them in. Call them in. My bad. And just like, because as a, as a light skinned woman, you need to understand your privilege that you have. And we all understand, like, we're all black at the end of the day, but you guys do have more privilege than dark skin girls. So please, like... Help us out because we all trying to get this to the same Amen. place. Amen. And please don't think because I'm dark skinned that I don't think I'm beautiful. Mm. Please don't think that you can come at me and tell me something about myself and mm-hmm. or, or make me feel uncomfortable because the color of my skin only adds to my personality. Amen. It only adds to like my love of blackness, and you can't really change that. So mm-hmm. just don't tell me that I'm not beautiful because I'm dark because mm-hmm. that's a lie. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's deep. All right. Well, that's been Unapologetic Black Radio. We hope y'all enjoyed the show today. We thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see y'all next show. All right. (laughs)